morning. I'm so happy I get to share with you this morning. Um, 2021, what a year. Like many of you, I had some losses and I had two answers to longtime prayers. One of them is we are in this building and that is a praise the Lord. Um, my husband and I pastored here uh, starting in 1988 and they had two requests of us when they hired us. One was pastor the congregation, and number two was build a building. And it's been a long, faithful prayer journey. Some of you may have been here. I brought my little bag of dirt from the day that we turned soil here about 15 years ago, and it's been on my refrigerator ever since. So this was an answer to a long prayer. And the second... Christmas gift from God. Um, my husband was not raised by his biological mother and we didn't really know her. Um, he connected with her later in life, briefly. And then I took his phone after he passed away and one day I went to call my mom and I clicked on mom and I got his mom. And so I asked her some questions about the family. I discovered that they had been traveling singing band when they were young and explained where the gift of music in my family came from that didn't come from me. But she called me about three weeks ago to say goodbye. She was 92. She had made peace with God and she passed away that night. And so for me, 2021 has been a monumental year on both a a church life and a personal life. Some of you know I'm a storyteller. I'm not really a preacher. I have eight books published on Amazon if you're looking for some good inspirational historical fiction. Um, check it out or come visit with me. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, one of the names of God. And I chose God is my provider because that's kind of been a recurring theme in my life. You know, when we meet someone new, we ask a question or two, we check out their appearance, maybe their family connection or how we might know them. And then as we get to know them over time, we learn new facets about their personality and their character. And it's the same with God. When we first meet him, we know him as Jehovah Makadish, which means God my Savior. And I met Jesus as a child. I recognized that I had made mistakes, that I wasn't perfect, and I needed a Savior. Um, and Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And if we've repented of our sins and made Jesus Lord of our life, then we're considered righteous um, and I knew I needed a Savior, and I met Jesus as Jehovah Makadish, God my Savior. And from that point on, God began to reveal himself to me as healer, as deliverer, vindicator, counselor, <clears throat> prince of peace. Um, there are many names of God given us in the scripture, um, and Psalm 103.7 says that the children of Israel knew God's deeds, but Moses knew God's ways. 
and I didn't always recognize God at work in my life in one of these dimensions, but as I have grown, I've come to be able to identify some of the ways that he interacts with us. And so today, I want to share three ways that God interacts with us as our provider. The first one is that God provides through us, uh, for us through community. I was a young stay-at-home mom with a new baby, and our budget was very tight. And I would go to the store each week with a grocery list specifically for the meals I was going to make that week, a pencil, and $10. And even in, you know, counting inflation, that was almost nothing to live on. And there were three of us. And each week when I would go through the grocery store, I would put a roll of paper, paper towels in my cart. But when I would get to the end, food was more important than paper towels. And so, honestly, I would go all the way back and put the package of paper towels back on the rack where they were the display. And then I would check out and go home. And I never told anybody, especially not my husband, because he was working hard and I didn't want him to feel bad. I just... Every week, I did the same thing. Well, one day, I stood in my kitchen. I was feeling really down. I threw my hands in the air in despair, and I said out loud, looking at the ceiling, God, I don't think you know who I am or where I am. And God didn't answer me in an audible voice. The baby cried, and, you know, I went on with life. But two hours later, there was a knock on my door. And it was a woman from the church where we attended. Her name was Molly Rose. And she had in her arms two brown paper bags. And she marched in, plopped them on my kitchen table, and she said, I can't stay. I have to go to work. But God told me to bring you these. And she left. Well, you know what was in those paper bags, right? Six rolls of paper towels. I had never told anyone, but God used community to meet a need that I had. He gave me reassurance that he cared about me, and he knew the smallest details of my life, and he used my church community to meet that need. So I want to encourage you today, if you're not connected, get connected. Church community is one of the ways that God provides for us. This one is a little more challenging for us. God provides through trials and tragedy. And my second illustration took place when I had three young children. We were living in Pennsylvania. We had one car, three children. Two were, uh, one was in school, one in preschool, and Tim was a baby. <clears throat> and I would get up in the morning, feed everybody breakfast, load in the car, take Paul and Deborah to the church where the school was. And then at 9 o'clock, that was at 8, at 9 o'clock, Rachel had to be at preschool, which was 20 minutes the other direction. So I'd drop her off, I'd go home, put the baby down for a nap, get him up, and be back at the preschool at 11 to pick Rachel up from preschool. And then I would go to the church and pick up Paul and bring him home for lunch. And then at 1, I had to have him back at the church again. And at three o'clock, Deborah was done with school. So then I would go pick her up, take all three kids home, 
And at 5 o'clock, I went back and picked up Paul from work. And so uh, you can guess what my prayer request was. Lord, we need a second car. <clears throat> and we started a habit when we were young married, so we called it our Jehovah Jireh list. Jehovah Jireh means God is my provider. And we, would, we kept it on the refrigerator, and we would write our need and the date and then leave a space for the answer. And we did this repeatedly. So I put, we need a second car and the date on the list on the refrigerator. And believe me, I prayed diligently about this need. And time went by, and one day I was at the school at 3 o'clock in line. with The queue of cars, the teachers would usher each child out for the parents as our cars moved up. And I was sitting behind a great big Chevy Impala, and behind me was a huge pickup truck, really huge. And I'm in a little VW station wagon. Well, the child in the car behind, we didn't have seat belts then, the child fell off the bench seat, and the mom went to grab the child, and her foot slipped from the brake to the gas, and she hit me, just slammed me into the heavy Chevy Impala in front of me, and the back window shattered, the door caved in on the passenger side, um, and the back end buckled. And I, I don't know about you, but God is my friend, and sometimes I'm pretty cheeky. And I just rolled my eyes and said, God, I prayed for two cars, not no car. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Time, time, we got the insurance, covered it. We replaced the car with a similar model, and they gave us the old one for parts, and it was sitting in the driveway. And I'm still praying, trying to figure out what God is doing, since now, you know, we have this junker car sitting in our driveway. Well, a gentleman from the church that we didn't know very well stopped by one day, and, um, and he said to Paul, uh, what is that car doing in your driveway? And Paul said, well, that was our car, and it got smashed, and we're, we're, you know, we're not sure what we're going to do with it. And he said, well, do you mind if I take a look at it? We didn't know. He owned a body shop. And so he walked around it, and he looked at it, and he said, well, the main brain's not broken, and I can replace these parts, and if you had a paint job have a perfectly drivable car. Well, we didn't have the money, so that went on the Jehovah Jireh list. And a couple days later, in Paul's box at the church office, somebody put an envelope with some cash in it. And when we got the estimate from the body shop, it was within a couple of dollars of what was in that envelope, and God had provided. And, you know, you don't think that the tragedy or the trial in your life uh, will really be what God's way of providing for you. But what I learned was God loves to redeem our trials and tragedies so that they actually become the conduits for his provision. So the next time something hard happens in your life, ask God to help you see behind the scenes. What is he really doing how, how is he going to redeem this situation? Because he is the ultimate redeemer of difficulties. So 
God answers our prayers sometimes through the tragedies and trials of our life. The third one is God provides through patient, persistent prayer. And I shared, you know, when I started, the prayer for this building, the prayer that Paul's mom would come to know Christ and be with them in eternity. Um, <clears throat> but this story happened last year at Christmas, and we bought a new refrigerator when we built our condo. It's now about 15 years old, and if you don't make sure the doors are shut tightly, they don't automatically shut tightly. And I came out just before Christmas last year to find that one of the doors had not closed tightly when I went to bed that night, and it had run all night, and it was dead. The refrigerator was dead, and it was warm inside. And fortunately, you know, I thought to myself, well, I have a small spare refrigerator in the garage, so I moved all the food to the spare refrigerator in the garage, and I didn't have time or money. I had company coming, and I just thought, I'll take care of this in the new year. And I put a little thermometer in the refrigerator, and I kind of reminded God that he is my provider. <laughs> and I went online and looked up, you know, what did it say about repairs or whatever. And it said, well, it, if it thaws, if it's frozen, if the motor is frozen, it'll thaw within three days and it'll start running again. But if it goes longer than three days, you probably burned up the motor and it'll be an expensive repair or replacement. So, you know, one day went by, two days went by. I checked every day, nothing. I laid my hand on the door and prayed for it, kind of feeling silly, but, you know, God is my provider. Three days went by, nothing didn't look good. Four days, five days, company in and out, but every morning I checked the temperature, not a, not a degree of change, and I would again put my hand on the refrigerator and say, God, you're my provider. You know I need this refrigerator. Honestly, part of it was I just didn't want to go through the whole hassle of having to deal with it on my own. Um, six days the morning of the seventh day, it's been a whole week. I have no logical, reasonable hope to think this refrigerator's ever going to run again. It was running. It was cold in it, and I moved all my, back, my food back in, and then I kept checking it about five times a day because, honestly, I couldn't believe that the thing had started running again. And I'm here to tell you, it's still running. It was seven days. As far as I'm concerned, that qualifies as a miracle. God provided. And what did I learn? Well, I learned that sometimes, just like with the death of Lazarus, Jesus waits a while before he answers your prayers. And he is not limited by human laws and human reasoning. I learned that nothing is beyond God's care or repair and that patient, persistent prayer is how we partner with God, our provider. So I encourage you, don't give up on your prayers. You know, sometimes we think, well, it's been a week, it's been a month, it's been 
two months, it's been six months. Don't give up. You know, this building? What, we came here in 1988. That's like 34 years. And we're standing in that building and God answered our prayers. And it was through the generosity of community. We all work together. God answers through community. He works through tragedy. You know, COVID hit. Everything came to a standstill. But was that the end? Did we give up on our prayers? No, we kept praying persistently. And we partnered with God. And he answered our prayers. And so I'm just wanting to encourage you this morning. You know, connect with community. See your trials and tragedies from God's perspective. He can redeem anything. And then um, don't give up. Continue on. Keep your faith in Christ. And, you know, there are people who say, well, you know, what if he doesn't supply what you think you need? Well, I have three suggestions. Number one, maybe you don't really need it, and God knows the future better than you do. Or maybe he's testing your faith, wanting you to partner with him in prayer. Or maybe he's using life circumstances to redirect your life. So be open to those possibilities when you don't get an immediate answer. Luke 12, 7 uh, tells us that the hairs on our head are numbered. And Matthew 20, uh, 10, 29 reminds us that not a sparrow falls, but what he sees and Romans 8:28 assures us that he is a loving father who works all things out for the ultimate good of those who are following him. And a practical application is you can go home and put a Jehovah Jireh list on your refrigerator and start writing down the needs that you have in your life and then watch what God does. Partner with him in prayer and then don't forget to give him praise when he answers you. So today when you go home, set aside a little bit of time and sit and reflect on your life. How, how has God been faithful to you? How has he used community in your life? What trials and struggles have you faced that God redeemed, that he brought something good out of? He is a faithful God. He's personal and he wants to be known by you and he reveals himself. But if you're not looking, you, will, you might miss it. And I want to challenge all of us. Let's make the year 2022 the year that we get to know God better in his many facets. And um, that is the conclusion of my message this morning. Um, we, we are doing things a little bit different this morning, as you noticed a little earlier. And so I am going to invite Rachel Powers to come, and she's going to read us a poem, and then we're going to take communion together. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rachel. I'm Joyce's second daughter. And um, earlier this week, I met with a prayer group that I've been meeting with ongoing, and something came up. Uh, some of the women in the group, one of them recently lost her husband, and we all brought up things that we've struggled with, with grief and the question of why and how do we deal with our confusion um, when God does things that we don't understand. And so the next morning, I just sat with our thoughts that I'd written down in my journal and was just asking the Lord to um, give me words to 
understand and explain the feelings I was having. And, and so this poem came from that. It's called The Big Picture. Life is ongoing. It doesn't stop. Whether you succeed or completely flop. It just goes and goes like a clicking clock, ever moving, never ending, tick, tick, talk, talk. When grief and loss pay an unwelcome visit, the world feels paused, the heart takes a big hit. We might wish for all things to end, so in our mind, time with loved ones past, we could still spend. We must give ourselves space to feel the pain and weep all the tears until they wane. Though we cry, and shed the tears, our hearts must trust and let go of fears and of anger that it's not fair. In neither life or death should we compare. For God knows all the things, and if we can accept and trust, he'll give us wings. But if we live in question and doubt, we get stuck and forget what life is about. It's about giving praise and glory to the one who already knows the end of the story. He knows our end is actually his beginning. Life is about death to self and giving, giving all that we are for his glory, our gifts, our pain, our wounds, our story. It's his to write and ours to live. We get to choose if we want to forgive, forgive what seems unfair and unjust, that we can't understand and are asked to just trust. It's so hard to be asked to die to self. But if we do, he gives us abundant wealth, a wealth of wisdom, faith, and peace. And from heartache and fear, he gives release. His grace is enough for every soul. His mercy and love can make us whole, whole and restored, like a broken tree that digs deep in winter, so in spring it's free. Free to blossom and produce, give off a sweet fragrance and yield healing juice. A fresh drink that can be drunk by others who have sunk down deep to the pit of despair, who desperately need the Father's care. We now, having visited there, have something to offer and to share. Embrace the journey, take in the view. It's a chance to draw nearer so he'll draw near to you. Not very many will overcome through this season that can turn a heart black, not just blue. For it's a high calling, and only a few let the pain lead to the one who restores to whole and new. And if you do, he will shine so bright in you, others will not know what to do with such a light that shines through. They will want what's inside you, and you can point them to you-know-who the one and only good, good God, whose love and mercy is not a fraud. For he also suffered the way we do. He lost his son for the sake of me and you. So he can give and love and understand the pain and loss and hold your hand and whisper to your precious heart that he holds for you a brand new start, a start brimming with fulfilling life and joyful grace. He freely gives if you keep your eyes upon his face. We're going to take communion together. 
When you came in this morning, you were given a small communion cup. If you haven't seen one of these before, there are two little layers that cover the top. You can peel off the top little plastic piece. And we can hold it until we can take it together. So if you have your communion cup ready, we're going to seal our commitment today to look to him in 2022 by agreeing in a commitment prayer. So if you would bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, you said that I am that I am. In other words, I am whatever you need. Today, Lord, there are many needs represented here. Would you, faithful Father, reveal yourself to each of us at our point of need and give us eyes to see you and hearts to respond. And Lord, with this wafer, we're reminded that you are Jehovah Lechem. You are God, the bread of life. You are the nourishment we need for our souls, and you are the one who satisfies our deepest longings. Today, we commit to feasting on your word and to knowing you in deeper ways. I ask you, Lord, to bless this name, this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. And together, if you'll hold it up, would you break it? His body was broken for us. And just break your bread as a symbol. And let's eat together in remembrance of him. you'll open the second layer. Lord, we take this cup, the cup of salvation, purchased for us by your blood shed on the cross. You are Jehovah Makadish, the God who saves. Lord, if there are those here today who do not know you as Savior, I pray you would reveal yourself to them. And for those of us who have received your gift of salvation, Lord, we drink together rejoicing that you are God, our Savior. We bless this cup. We offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Amen. Amen. 